Blog Talk Radio. suburbs of Indianapolis. My name is Tom Marquis, and what a beautiful day it is. No rain. It's hot, though. It's supposed to get up to like 90-something today. You know, I was out at the track last week for the Indianapolis 500, and we're certainly going to get into that talk uh, here in a little bit. But man, if if it was 94 at that track, I've been there, done that. It's it's crazy hot. But uh, you know what? I'll take it all day long. Rain, snow, whatever be out of the track that is my happy place for sure had a great uh, weekend out there we're certainly going to be recapping that here in just a few moments with uh, a few minutes and, and the, i'm sorry let me start over in the <laughs> in the next segment with tony donahue uh burnoutsports.com our official indycar contributor he's headed up to detroit uh where uh, indycar is in the streets of detroit interesting there also uh you know here's a nugget for you we have a first time winner uh See what I did there. The, the Nuggets uh, win uh, over the Miami Heat, and uh, we're going to be talking about that with Adam Jividen, Super Browns fan, Super Buckeyes fan, uh, Super Duper Cavs fan, just all around great guy in our and our uh, partner in crime, and certainly our college football and college sports go-to guy. Uh, but also, believe it or not, he's got an NBA talent. So we're going to have him here in just a moment. He's standing by in the balance green green room. And then uh, later on in the show, we're going to be bringing back Steve Wilson, editor in chief of speedweekdigest.com. Uh, he's been kind of busy on the road with a lot going on with NASCAR and the All-Stars and, and all that. But uh, he's going to join us to talk about what happened in Charlotte. They finally got that race in. And, of course, uh, uh, NASCAR spread out all over the place. So you've got uh, Gateway uh, for the Cup Series, Gateway for the Truck Series, which is just outside of St. Louis. And then you got Portland, uh, which is where the Xfinity race will be uh, this afternoon. I-, I tell you what, as I always say, stick around. It's about to get good. My name is Tom Marquis, El Presidente, 917-889-8516. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. 
I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family. So the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA Sultan mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. Oh, hi. Uh, I've seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? No, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted, so, um, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Masa Lekwa Pique, which of course, in the Indonesian language, oh, let me finish. In the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they investor philanthropists? Do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes, but it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wanting. Do you have any? You know what? Actually, I'm, I'm just going to order it. They make it fresh and roasted. Okay. Right. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good. Rocking and rolling. Adam Jimmett and Super Brown fan, our partner in crime, uh, college football cohort, uh, Super Browns fan, Super Cavaliers fan, just an all-around super guy, uh, joins us now. How are you, sir? How's it going? I'm doing good, Tom. How are you, man? I am doing great. Now, you got to know, when, like our bumper music when we came in, you know, that's, uh, you know, 24-karat 20, gold. Everybody grabs the air mic and the hands when it, when it starts going on with the countdown. Am I wrong? Am I wrong? No, I mean Bruno Mars is fantastic, <laughs> and I, I just oh, I yeah. can't. He's got he's got so many like phenomenal songs. <laughs> hey man, gotta gotta. If that doesn't get your juices going at first thing on a Saturday morning, I don't know what does. I know what does. Black Rifle Coffee. Guys, make sure you get your Black Rifle Coffee. BlackRifleCoffee.com. Grab a bag, give a bag. 
and it, it, it's it's great coffee too, and so and they help support first responders and and the military. And I have a friend who's uh, son's on a destroyer in the Navy, and that's all he serves. It's Black Rifle Coffee. So when you buy buy a bag of coffee, there's a bag donated to, and they have donated millions of bags of coffee. Um, but the man who doesn't need coffee, Adam Jibbenin. Adam, I know you're not a race fan, but did you happen to catch any of the highlights of the Indianapolis 500? Yeah, I mean, I, I saw the little highlights. I also had friends that were there, like several friends that, like, if I oh, wouldn't yeah. have, like, paid attention, including you. So, like, if, <laughs> if, if I wouldn't have at least paid attention in some capacity, they'd be like, what is wrong with you? So That's right. Inclu- you're right, absolutely, including me. But I, I tell you what, I've been going out there for years, and in modern history, that's probably one of the best endings we've ever seen. And so we've never had a, a, a red flag uh when it's, I mean, three red flags in an Indianapolis 500. Of course, we've only been doing the red flag since 2014. But we will get into that later on the show. we got a lot to talk about with you, a lot to unpack with you. I know I, uh, that you haven't been on for a few weeks because of things and then the racing stuff that we were doing. But we are back on target. And, you know, there's a lot of things to talk about, a lot of things to unpack. And in a moment, we're going to get into the NBA Finals and talk about what's going on there. Uh, but one of the big news coming out of college football, I'll go to your expert, uh, expertise here, if you will. Alabama gets a huge, uh, huge recruit, if you will, uh, going to Alabama. Uh, he's from Alabama, too. Uh, uh, Turbo Rogers. I got to know, is that his real name? Might be. You know, we got I, great... I, used to, I used to wonder, and then there's so many kids that are named ridiculous things that you just kind of roll with it. <laughs> Right. Well, we got Stingway Rob in IndyCar, but that's his real name. It's his real birth-given Christian name. But it, it's a family name. It has nothing to do with race car driving. It was just a strange, weird event of coincidence. Uh, but certainly the nation's number one running back, Turbo Rogers, makes a decision, and he's going to stay at home in his home state of Alabama, and he's going to be playing with Alabama. Not a huge surprise there, but I know that uh, when you got your choices to – uh, where you're going to play, it's always, okay, now you finally made it. Just, you know, one of the things, if I could just vent for a second, I absolutely hate these ball caps. Oh, I'm going to Alabama. Oh, no, I'm going to Georgia. Nope, I'm going to Ohio State. I hate that. Okay, I, I digress. But <laughs> he chooses to go uh, with Alabama. Thoughts on that and certainly uh, the impact it's going to have on the program of college football. Yeah, you know, I mean – Alabama, the, the top programs, Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, USC, uh, Oklahoma, we'll see how Oklahoma does when they move to the SEC. They're going to have kind of their choice of certain position players uh, every year. Um, and of recent memory, Alabama has had that run of running backs, similar to Ohio State in the wide receiver room. Um, if you are one of the top wide receivers in the country, you basically want to go to Ohio State to go play under Brian Hartline because we've seen the results that he's gotten in putting dudes in the pros. And, and similarly, that's the fact that Nick Saban has had at Alabama with, with running backs. Um, you know, so it's not a surprise, especially with the kid being from Alabama. Um, but the, the interesting <laughs> thing is Alabama has had some – some five stars of big time uh, publicity not pan out in recent memory, which is not 
normal for them. You know, usually we kind of see them as the five stars. They come in, they play young, they play quick, they play well, they go to the NFL draft, they get drafted high. But the last couple of years, they've had some some big time misses um, at the linebacker position, at the safety position, um, offensive line. So it's it's interesting. The, the 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 question around the country with Alabama is especially with Georgia, you know, winning these last two titles um, and having that Ohio State Georgia semifinal game be essentially the de facto national championship because I think everybody felt like whoever wins this game is going to win the championship, and that was exactly what happened. Um, But with Georgia winning these last two, is the Alabama-Saban era, is it done? And and I don't know that we have a good answer for that. I think this is the year where if it happens again, and especially if LSU can jump Alabama under Brian Kelly, I think that could be the case. Well, let's uh, talk a little bit about the college football preview. Obviously, uh, we've got a few more months yet before we're going to be talking about college football full full, full speed ahead. Well, let's talk a little bit about the Big Ten. Uh, it's going to have a different landscape this year than it ever had before. It's going to be the largest division in the entire nation running coast to coast. Obviously, your Ohio State uh, uh, and Marvin Harrison Jr. is uh, all eyes are on him in Ohio State. But uh, let's take a quick uh, peek into – the 2023 season of the Big Ten, and go ahead and feel free to talk about your Buckeyes for a moment, sir. Yeah, you know, really, the story of of this year's Ohio State team really comes down to two things. Is can the, the defense made sizable strides under Jim Knowles last year? Can they continue to make strides? Um, because they did get exposed by a lack of what had been development previously um, in the in the game um, against that team up north, and then and then against Georgia, you know they had <laughs> Georgia on the ropes and should have won that game. And, and I mean, as an Ohio State fan, I, I'm going to point specifically to that game and go injuries in the game absolutely killed us because we lost three starters early including Marvin Harrison on a cheap shot to the head um, that, that knocked him out, but was somehow not targeting. And if that's not targeting, I don't know what is, but you know, (laughs) this year's team, it it comes down to defense and it comes down to quarterback play. Um, Right now, the clubhouse leader is Kyle McCord to win the starting position. Um, He was actually Marvin Harrison's teammate and quarterback while they were in high school in Philadelphia. Um, but then you've got redshirt freshman Devin Brown that is has been out with a um, pinky. He had surgery on his pinky on his throwing hand. And personally, I think Devin Brown is more physically talented than Kyle McCord. And I think that, but we'll see how it we'll see how it plays out. Essentially, um, I think both quarterbacks are really really good, um, but. And we're gonna, and, and we've got probably the deepest running back room we've ever had. Um, the question is just going to be: Can the quarterback get up to speed well enough to deliver the ball to both Marvin Harrison and Emeka Ibuka, who 
24-7 sports have rated as the number one and the number two returning wide receivers in all sports. So mm-hmm. that's what it's down to. And then from a, from a schedule perspective, nothing matters. Yeah, except, that's it. Beat Michigan. We can't do three years in a row. I'm sick of this crap. Figure it out, Ryan. <laughs> You, 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 read, you read my mind. Of course, we're less than 100 days away from the start of the 2023 football season. Uh, some big lineups uh, coming up that we uh, saw come down in the month of September, some, some big games. Let's go ahead and just jump into Ohio State at Notre Dame. Uh, certainly the time and network is still yet to be determined, uh, but, a, uh, but a season-opening victory over Notre Dame in Columbus uh, would be a, a good thing. September 23rd, it looks like Ohio State is at Notre Dame in thoughts. Yeah, I mean, obviously we had the game last year, and it was a it was a good start in terms of getting a win. Um, it was a rough start in terms of losing um, Jackson Smith to Jigba to injury for the rest of the season. Not so not a way that we wanted to start the season, but you know it it happened. Um, I'm I, I'm curious to see you know how Notre Dame going to do under under year two of Marcus Freeman um I there's been a lot of player movement in the portal there's been you know some coaches in and out and and you just go okay is this young coach is he feeling overwhelmed is he feeling the pressure I I, I feel like it'd be impossible not to but you know I, I guess we'll just have to see how it how it goes with him um I tend to think in that game You've got if if the if Ohio State can get decent quarterback play, they've got the better team. Um, but but Notre Dame ha- definitely has a more experienced quarterback, and Sam Martin or Sam Hartman, excuse me, the transfer from um, Wake Forest. So you know it, it it's an it is an interesting test. Um, the the game I'm I'm really looking forward to, and I'm sure you are, is actually the season opener. Week one, Ohio State, IU in Bloomington. <laughs> it's going to be something. I tell you what, I, I would love for it to come out, IU to come out and beat Ohio State in game one. Who wouldn't like that? I, I've been an IU fan for so long, it's just kind of like, eh. And then what's going to happen, when that happens, let's just say it does, we're going to already claim the Big Ten Championship at that precise moment. <laughs> Another big game that we're going to be watching here in my household, anyway, is Tennessee at Florida, September 16th. You know, Tennessee, for only the second time in the school's past 18 meetings uh, a season ago, fueling, fueling the Vols to their first 11-win campaign since 2001. Josh Hupel, uh was able to break through in his second year as Tennessee coach. Uh, gotta like my Vols, and I'm by association, okay? Uh, the Vols is uh, Melissa's team, so we root for Tennessee. Go Vols. Fun fact, not really fun fact, but do you know who Bill Dance is? Do I know who who is? Do you know who Bill Dance is? No. I had to weave this into my conversation. I watch these fishing shows. He's an old-timer. Old He's like 80-something now. Uh Fishing guy. He's always wore Tennessee Vols uh, hat. He, he was a big Tennessee fan. Uh, he, he was one of the best anglers ever to 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 play to, to fish, if you will. I, I watch these fishing shows. I'm, I'm weird. I know. Uh, 
I didn't know if you had heard of him or not, so just had to throw it. I had to Definitely leave that Tennessee because <laughs> Melissa never heard of him. So there you go. Now, now, and I just had to leave it in there. Tennessee and Florida, though. What are your thoughts? <laughs> you know, this is a. Uh, I don't. I genuinely don't know how well Tennessee is going to do out the block because they are. I mean, after that kind of breakthrough season last year. They're replacing a lot on offense, including, you know, Hendon Hooker, Cedric Tillman was drafted by the Browns. Um, they're losing, uh, goodness, the other receiver that won the Blitnikoff over Marvin Harrison, stupidly. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember his name. Was it? Jalen, <laughs> Jalen something. Um, right. But, uh, you know, it, it was it was interesting because – the kind of shift that Tennessee had last year, if they can maintain – year two is always the hardest one to maintain. If you have the breakthrough season, can you keep the momentum of that season going? If you can, and there's so many studies on this, um, in just terms of, like, what happens in terms of, like, the sport of the – or in terms of, you know, the balance of the program, is if you can maintain that momentum you get, from year one to year two, it vaults you into essentially a, a tier that you would not have been able to um, achieve otherwise. And, and if there, if you have fall off, let's just say it was a, a, a senior laden program, and you know you had all of these guys maybe overperforming their expectations and yeah, yeah, yeah. And then year two, they, they, they kind of come back to earth a little bit. Um, in those scenarios, it takes significantly longer for the program to, to maintain or to regain that upwards trajectory. So I say all of that to say this. Can Tennessee do it? I think so. I think they've got the right coach who has the right mindset, he is offensive-minded, knows how to attack, knows how to put up points. The question is going to be is how good are they going to be early? And that is a question that I don't know that we can answer as of yet. But I will frankly put at this juncture, because Florida's got to do the same thing, having lost Anthony Richardson, who is basically their offense, to your Indianapolis Colts, um, I'm gonna put money on at this juncture, Tennessee to keep it going. All right, we're talking to Adam Jibinan, our college football cohort, our our, our uh, just our co-pilot, if you will, uh, our Swiss Army knife, if you will. Let's let's switch gears to the NBA Finals and exciting. And can I just say how excited I am as a fan and everybody that knows me, I'm not a big LeBron James fan and I don't want to get started on, on this whole thing about his cryptic Instagram thing about him retiring. I don't care if he retires. He's, he's, he, we, yes, we can say that LeBron James is one of the best basketball players ever. We can have this age on going better than Michael Jordan conversation. I just, I got a LeBron thing myself off the court, not on the court. Um, so his little cryptid message of now everybody's saying, don't leave us, LeBron, don't leave. Yes. Okay. He's, we, does a, does a man that's that rich, whose son's going to be 
following in his footsteps, just recently signed in the USC. Does he really need to have – I guess everybody does. Okay, we, we, we saw it kind of with Brett Favre. We've seen it. We certainly saw it with Tom Brady. Let's all get excited and let's talk about the retirement because we don't have anything else to talk about. But that said, <laughs> you, you know, I, I, I get – Sidewinded sometimes, you know. That sometimes things just get me fueled there, Adam. But uh, Peyton Manning, Russell Wilson, Sean Payton all attended game one of the NBA Finals. I think this game will go uh, seven games. Uh, but I do like the Nuggets. And if you remember back, I like the Nuggets back when. And uh, so I'm not just jumping on the Nuggets bandwagon. Uh, but uh, go ahead and uh, give us a NBA final preview uh, prediction, if you will. Uh, why we still got you for a few more minutes, sir. Yeah, uh, no way this series goes seven games. I'm just saying that right now. The Nuggets the Nuggets. Well, it's my tinfoil hat, Adam. It's my tinfoil hat that makes me say it's going seven games. Just say it. There's oh, that whole conspiracy. Oh, okay. That tinfoil hat is not correct. Um, no <laughs> the Nuggets are, uh, frankly, the Nuggets have been the best team in the playoffs. Um thus far, they have just dusted everybody they've played. Um, and, and, and the Heat looked like they were running out of steam against Boston, and then Boston just absolutely laid an egg in Game 7 to even get here. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know, and I, and I mentioned this to one of my friends, if Giannis Antetokounmpo doesn't get hurt in the Miami in the first few minutes of game one against Miami, I don't even think they get here. I mean, that's just, that's just being honest, you know? And so it's hard to look at this and go, okay, it's going to be a seven game series. If, if, if you're going, yeah, but, but this wouldn't even have been a series had Giannis not gotten hurt in the first quarter of the first game. Mm-hmm. And so I just – Denver is literally superior at virtually almost every position on the court. Jokic is the best player not only in the series, but he's arguably the best player in the league. And – He's such a throwback for all of you old-school basketball fans that if you haven't watched the NBA for a while, go watch Nikola Jokic because, like, mm-hmm. he is – he plays the game in a fashion that would make, like, Red Auerbach smile. So what was that? I think the Nuggets – I think Miami wins a game because the Nuggets haven't been here yet, and I could see it. I could see, like, Miami take game three, for example. I don't know that it goes much further than five. Definitely not seven. Well, what have we learned, Adam, real quickly before I let you go? What have we learned this year in the NBA as far as – you know, we were all high on the Bucks, and the Bucks lost in the first round. Their coach got fired. I still don't understand that. Uh, we were high on the 76ers. 76ers can't get past the second round. They've got a new coach that even admits that. You know, our good friend Ed Kratz admits that. 
You know, you, you see the Lakers swept. Now we're having conversations with about LeBron James retiring and this uh, the the uh, team being passed over to Anthony Richardson. Sorry, I can't speak on a Saturday morning. Uh, so overall, as we watch the NBA Finals, what have we learned about the NBA as far as the teams that are beginning to and we use the Denver Nuggets as a perfect example. They have been underneath the radar, really, until the very end here, like you said. And they have just, you know, checked off box after box after box. I use the Denver Nuggets as an example. But we saw a lot of teams go deeper in the playoffs than what we thought we would. And we saw teams that we thought would be very deep in the playoffs didn't. So my final question to you, sir, what have we learned this year? You know, I, I think we've learned, A, that market size doesn't matter anymore. You know, it, it, you don't you don't have to be a, a big market team to have success. You know, we started to see this, you know, with the Cavs, obviously aided by LeBron. Um, you know, we saw good good runs with the Pacers, but nothing – the Pacers never hit it at the level that, like, Denver's hitting it right now, for example. Um, I, I just think that, that you're also seeing teams that have gotten to where they are through, not entirely, because obviously Jimmy Butler wasn't drafted by Miami, but Jimmy Butler has flourished in Miami. He was a star in Chicago, and now he is a superstar with the Heat. But, you know, what we're seeing is Denver, almost all of their, almost all of their roster was drafted by Denver, except for, like, Aaron Gordon and a couple other guys. They got Aaron Gordon in a trade from the Orlando Magic. But talking about teams that have been built from within that have seen over the time the roster come together, they're not bailing early, and they're, and they're not giving up on coaches. Because Mike Malone, multiple times, people were like, oh, Mike Malone's going to get fired. And Denver stood by him knowing he's a good coach. And I just – I think that, like, some of the coaches had no business getting fired. Monty Williams kind of was the the chief amongst them. I, I thought that yeah. was an absolutely boneheaded decision by Phoenix. Um, but, you know, I, I, I look at how these rosters were constructed, and it's, it's classic – Team-oriented basketball, not solely built upon a single superstar, um, you know, having a roster built to his construction. Adam Jividen, Super Browns fan, Super Cavaliers fan, Super Guardians fan. You got to be happy with your Guardians. A lot happier than I am with my Cardinals. Uh, Oh, the Guardians are doing <laughs> hey, I, I watched them last week. Uh, they uh, they're, they're doing all right. Uh, we'll see what happens. I, I need my I need my Cardinals to get some. They have got to do something. They are in the bottom of the pit. Nonetheless, we we, we have ran out of time. Adam Jevin, and we appreciate you joining us. And obviously, we're going to be having you on more and more. Uh, so, it, is your pick then the Nuggets to win the the uh, NBA Finals? What about yeah. Sunday's game? Nuggets and five. Nuggets and five. So do the, I would say in game one, game two, do, maybe Miami takes game three or four. 
Uh, but, yeah, I've got Denver. All right, buddy. You have yourself a good weekend. I look forward to talking with you again. I'm sure you and I will be talking through the week. You bet. See you, Tom. All right, buddy. Adam Jeminem, appreciate him joining us. My name is Tom Mark with Dale President. Hey! And breaking down the NBA finals and some college football, but right around the corner, we're going to be jumping in to some IndyCar talk. They're up in Detroit, but we're also going to break down that magnificent, that magnificent Indy 500 last week. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family. So the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I can't believe it. I've been playing four on four with a barber shark quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, What is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. Oh, hi. Uh, Seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? (laughs) No, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. Well, it is... Great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted, so I don't, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Masa Lekwa Pique, which of course in the Indonesian language, let me finish, in the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they investor philanthropists? Do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans, 
causes and first responder causes, but it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wanting. Do you have any? You know what? Actually, I'm I'm just going to order it. They make it fresh and roasted. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good. Maybe I'm blind, thinking I can see through this and see what's behind. Got no way to prove it, so maybe I'm lying. But I'm only. All right, and welcome back to the balance. My name is Tom Marquis, El Presidente, 917 8516. Our digits just talked with Adam Jividan, a uh, good friend of the show. He uh, helps us break down our college football action, college basketball action. He's kind of the Swiss Army knife uh, of the show here, so uh, always good to have him back on. Been a few weeks since he's been on with us because of all of our racing coverage, and man, what a month of May it was. It did not disappoint here in Indianapolis. We're standing by for Tony Donahue at BurnoutSports.com on his way up to Detroit, where IndyCar will race this weekend in the streets of Detroit. Uh, And, you know, uh, as you might know, that – uh, IndyCar uh, typically always went to Detroit after the Indianapolis 500, uh, but uh, this year uh, they're not going to uh, Belle Isle, which is kind of right there on the Canadian um, uh, border there, a little island, if you will, road course. Uh, Penske helped build, and they decided to to go in another direction this year, and so they, uh, after some negotiations with the city of Detroit, it's going to be in the streets of Detroit, another street uh, race uh, with IndyCar. Those are always fun to see. And, you know, it's good to see IndyCar go to areas like Detroit uh, where, you know, they've had some, they need that economic shot in the arm and they need that, that help there. So it's good that they, they go there and, uh, you know, without getting into all the details about how they, this deal came together, it was it was good for the city. It was good for IndyCar, I think, to uh, race in in Detroit. So that's where they're at. Uh, we're waiting on Tony Donahue, and we're, I mean, let's just talk a little bit about last week's Indy 500. It's it was nice, not too hot, not too was no rain. Uh, you know, the first part of the race, it was just kind of like, okay, we got racing. It's going, it's going, it's going, and then. And then, ladies and gentlemen, it began to happen. The track out of Indianapolis Motor Speedway at 16th and Georgetown uh, started to wake up, started to show its mighty force, started to reach out there and grab cars and see some of the most unexplainable, head-scratching events that were about to unfold at the Indianapolis 500. And, man, at the end of the day, we had three red flags, which is the first time we've ever had three red flags at the Indianapolis 500. And, granted, we've only been doing uh, the red flag since 2014, I believe. So there's that. Uh, but, uh, you know, generally, if you got two red flags and you're that close to the end of the race, they'll just green, white, checkered it. But this is the Indianapolis 500. You have to get it right. And had they not done that, that would have uh, lined Marcus Erickson up for a a second uh, back-to-back 
uh, win, uh, winning the Indianapolis 500 under red flag type conditions. Is that the guy you want? I know they weren't so happy with, they, they weren't too happy with the decision that IndyCar made uh, about that. And, but, you know, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, do they really want to be that team that won two times under a red flag? Then the opportunity was given to Joseph Newgarden. Boy, did he earn the win. Congratulations to him. Uh, First-time winner of the Indianapolis 500. He's won so much in the IndyCar Series championships. He's just, you know, climbed that ladder of success. And I remember when he was in the Indy Lights. Uh, so, you know, just climb that ladder of uh, success, uh, if you will. And finally, finally gets to drink the milk in victory lane and, uh, you know, it was just a crazy day, and uh, I, I, I maybe you want to call in and let me. We're standing by, um, standing by for Tony Donahue. Uh, of BurnoutSports.com. We're standing by, but did, I, I, did you guys see some of the terrifying wrecks and photos? Kyle Kirkwood, Stingray Rob, all among wrecks. But I think the worst one was Kyle Kirkwood when he crashed, hit the wall, went upside down. Uh, man, and, and that just goes to show, you know, how much that, that halo actually works in saving of lives. I mean, had that been, had that been um, five years ago even, we'd be having a different conversation right now. Tire flights over the fans outside into the parking lot and turn two hits a car. Fortunately, fortunately, nobody died. Nobody was killed, but man, some scary times out there. Joining us now, the man with the plan, Tony Donahue of the Tony, of Tony D podcast on burnoutsports.com headed up to Detroit. How are you, sir? Hey, good morning. How you doing? Fantastic, fantastic. Looks like you're going to have a good weekend uh, for Detroit. We'll talk about that here in a minute, but I wanted to just go back, and I was just kind of doing this on my own while I was waiting for you to call in, a recap of last uh, week's uh, epic. And I like to use the word epic because of so many different things that happened within that race. The first part of the race was fairly uneventful, if you will, Indy 500 going about its thing. And then all of a sudden, the, the track began to wake up, and it began to grab drivers right and left. And we saw some of the most unexplainable things that we've ever seen in Indy 500 history uh, to include a three-red-flag uh, three type situation. We've only been doing that, I believe, since 2014. You were there. Tell us, uh, walk us through the, predominantly the second half of the Indianapolis 500 that led to the first-time winner, uh, uh, Joseph Newgard. Yeah, I mean, the red flags, you, you saw three of them. You don't usually see that. Um, that last one was a bit iffy with not enough time to go back green. But um, they gave a fan, they, they wanted to give the fans at least one chance at a green flag finish. The fans got that. Uh, Joseph Newgard makes the pass coming off two and uh, had an epic celebration. So, uh, But, yeah, you usually don't see uh, that, that quick of a green flag, but – at the end of the day, it's what the fans wanted, and they tried to give them a show. They certainly did. Absolutely, and, and I tell you what, just some crazy wrecks that 
you know, the whole incident with the tire and everything. Would you say, would you rank this, now, we say all time, so maybe that's a, a little bit harsh, but let's just say in modern, modern era, would you say this is one of the best Indianapolis 500s attendance-wise and race-wise and show for the fans in the modern era in the last eight to nine years? I think it's the best uh, attendance I saw since the 100 Indy 500 back in 2016. As far as the racing goes, I mean, I thought it was really good. I, I think if you if you were watching, you got a sense that Erickson and Newgarden probably had the best two cars all day. Potable War and Alex Palau were probably third and fourth. Below gets banged up in the pits, kind of into his thing, although he rallied back for a ninth-place finish. Pato was right there, made that move late going into turn three with eight laps to go. I, I think he could have maybe waited. There wasn't a lot of passing going into turn three all day. Um, overall, I mean, as far as competition goes, I go back to, you know, 2017, that crazy race with Sato when everybody was passing and people were moving all over the place and there were wrecks lead changes in 2013 comes to mind as well. So, I mean, I'd put it in probably the top five of the last 10 or 15 years as far as, you know, real real competition goes. Uh, but, but I think those are the four best cars all day. Joseph's car really came alive uh, throughout that second stint. Uh, Erickson had a really good car. He knows how to put himself in the right position. Seems like Polo just has really bad luck um, and has really bad luck on some things. So, um, but, yeah, I, I thought it was a great race overall. I don't think it's one of the best that we've seen. I'd probably give about a 7.5 out of 10. I agree with that. I'll go with that. Well, let's move on to uh, Detroit. Uh, amazing how fast things change. Uh, obviously, they always go to Detroit, uh, but uh, this year they're not going to be at the nearby Belle Isle. Um, maybe uh, walk us through why the decision was to go away from Belle Isle and into the streets of uh, Detroit, which should be a very, very good race, a, a fast, narrow, and bumpy course through the streets of Detroit. Uh, but I think it's a great economic shot in the arm for a city that's really had a huge economic impact. Yeah, I mean, Belle Isle was a great course. It was just a little bit further out, and it just – wasn't in the greatest of areas, but you bring it back downtown, you put it really in Chevy's, you know, below their offices. Uh, you know, they used to run it on the streets downtown Detroit, I think up to like 1990 or 91, uh, before they moved up to Belle Isle. So you move it downtown, you allow more of those fans that can be accessible. Some of the people that, that live downtown can check it out. And, uh, you know, they're, they're doing a couple free practice sessions where you can watch in, in, in free viewing areas. So, um, yeah, it's I think it'll be good. The, the track looks pretty crazy. We saw a lot of reds yesterday. It's a runoff. Yeah. Very narrow areas. You got a double, you got a two-sided pit road, which you don't ever see. So uh, it's certainly interesting. It's something certainly new. And I'm expecting tons of chaos, kind of similar to what we saw at that first Nashville race a few summers ago. Absolutely 100% agree with you. And, and it is going to be fun to watch and see what happens tomorrow afternoon. Pato Award led the way for a, a McLaren. And, of course, uh, uh, Chip uh, Canassi's uh, legend, Scott Dixon, in practice yesterday. Uh, but uh, Benjamin Peterson was the first to drive a complete lap. So let's just kind of walk through the staples of what we have. Errol McLaren is the real deal this year. Uh, what do we look for them to do in Detroit? Yeah, I mean, Pato Award's hungry, right? I mean, he's, he's been knocking on the door of a victory all season. He had one of the best cars in Indy last year, and, or excuse me, last week. Um, we know how good he is on all on, on, on all the certain types of tracks in IndyCar. Um, Alexander Rossi's had a quiet 
consistent start to his Aero McLaren campaign. And really, from here on out, Felix Rosenquist is kind of racing for a job in 2024. I mean, we don't know if he'll be back with Aero McLaren. It's it starting to look like he won't be. He obviously started on the front row at Indy, but then wrecked out. Um, he had a pull in Texas. He just hasn't been able to finish races. So I'm looking for a guy in Felix who has ran pretty decent here. Remember, he had that bad wreck in Detroit, although it was a different track a few a few years back. Um, Felix Rosenquist really needs to have a good result this weekend and really needs to find some consistency throughout the summer. He did it last year. He was very good at Mid-Ohio. He was very good at Road America. Found himself inside of the top ten, I think, in four straight races. Uh, so I'm looking for Felix Rosenquist to have a good, strong showing throughout the weekend. He's got to learn how to finish off a weekend. He can, he's been able to qualify pretty well, just hasn't had the results to show for it. So who do you think this track suits better for? And we know already that there's not going to be an opportunity to do a lot of passing just the way the course is set up. I mean, do you, do you like Kyle Kirkwood? Do you like Scott Dixon? Do you like uh, Polo? Those are guys that come to my mind, and maybe Colton Herta, that come to my mind that could handle a course like this. But there again, it all depends on qualifying, which we'll know later on today as far as qualifying goes. But certainly qualifying order comes into play uh, very, very important here with this race. But who do you think that this track is better suited for or this street course is better suited for? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's suited for somebody that is very maybe a little bit more conservative that has experience like a Scott Dixon because you just know that something is going to go crazy tomorrow. There's going to be a log jam. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a St. Pete situation on that first lap where everybody checks up and four or five guys end up in the wall and, and their days are done before they even start. So um, I think it favors some of the guys. you got to qualify up front. I think you're going to have to start at the top. You're going to have to make the fast things if you want to have a chance to win this uh, coming up tomorrow just because, you know, there's not going to be a lot of passing zones, and there's it's just so narrowed it's going to be hard to move your way up through the field. So I think qualifying will be a most important later on today. Well, we know Joseph Newgarden got his first win, uh, Indianapolis 500 win, after many, many wins, many, many tries with uh, IndyCar. Certainly uh, the climax of being an IndyCar driver certainly launches them into immortality. Uh, but this last week has probably had very little sleep. Uh, so, you know, uh, Joseph Newgarden, how do we look for him? to react to the track today and this weekend. Uh, is there going to be that begin to have that uh, Indy 500 win hangover? Are we get, going to begin to see the effects of that? Yeah, there's usually a hangover for the winter, right? Like you're off to New York for a few days and, uh, you know, you're flying around. And, and remember, he lives in Nashville. He doesn't live in Indianapolis like a lot of the drivers do. So, right. right. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't expect Newgarden to win this weekend, uh, but now you're thinking, okay, you, you got to watch him in the points, and I, I think a good weekend would be a top seven finish, uh, which is tough to do. I think the average finish for an Indy 500 winner the following week in Detroit, again, albeit a different course now, is around 10th place. They usually don't finish inside of that top seven or top eight, so if Joseph can just have a consistent weekend, uh, get some sleep, take a week off, I'm sure that'll be well well warranted for him. Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast at BurnoutSports.com on his way up to Detroit. Tony, who's your official pick for the uh, race tomorrow? You know, I don't know. I think Marcus Erickson is really hungry after what happened to him last week in the red flag. And, 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 and some would say 
a situation where he was screwed out of a second straight Indianapolis 500 win. Remember, he scored his first career win at Detroit a few years ago on a street circuit. He was really good at Nashville the last couple of years where he's won. Obviously won at St. Pete earlier this year. Um, and he's, a, he's a consistent guy that um, knows how to get there at the end and is now fighting for a point championship. Uh, so, But only seeing one practice session with anything can change. I think we'll see Marcus Erickson up towards the front. And I'm looking at a guy like Graham Rahal, somebody who's hungry, who had a terrible month of May. Nice. Everything that could have went wrong yes. obviously did go wrong. Uh, I expect yeah. Graham Rahal to come out, who has won at Detroit twice. Yes, that was Belle Isle, the other course. But look for Graham Rahal to, to have a really strong finish this weekend. I wouldn't love anything better. You know, and we, we talked about, you know, Graham Rahal getting a lot of new fans. I think that – I'm one of those, and I really am rooting for him, so that'd be great. Real quickly, uh, the NBA Finals are going on. Nuggets dominated the, the Heat. Uh, do you look for that to continue to be done in, like, five uh, five games? Do you go to seven games? Uh, I don't know. I like the Nuggets a lot. they very, very impressive. Uh, of course, just one game in, but they have been very good. And then let's not forget that they swept uh, the Lakers, so they are a good team. Yeah, I like I like uh, Denver to win this in five. I think they'll win both games at home. They'll split one and one down in Miami, and then um, be able to come home in Game Five and then finish it off. They're just they're just too good. I mean, the Joker, you got Jamal Murray knows how to score. Some of the role oh, players yeah. have really stepped up. Michael Porter Jr., who probably won't be in Denver too much longer because they won't be able to afford him when he when, he, when he's up, but. Right. Uh, just, just an overall really good team can beat you in many ways. And, uh, you know, the under hit the other night, it was a very low-scoring contest. I think we'll, we'll see that trend kind of continue. Tony, we appreciate you joining us. You have a safe trip uh, there to Detroit. And uh, what are you guys working on? Where can people find your work in Masterpieces? Yeah, we'll just be covering the race. And then uh, you got NASCAR in St. Louis tomorrow. I'm going to take Brad Keselowski to win. All right. Love it. It's kind of got to be fun to watch. You've got uh, Xfinity in Portland uh, today. You've got uh, the trucks in uh, at Gateway today. And then tomorrow you've got the Cup Series at Gateway, too. too. And what a great course that is as well. So, yeah, it's going to be, be fun to watch that as well. Tony, we appreciate you as always. You have yourself a great race weekend, sir. You too, man. Take care. Thank you, buddy. Tony Donahue of the uh, BurnoutSports.com. and uh, and of, of certainly of the Tony D podcast. Uh, check him out. Great, great coverage in IndyCar. Love having him on. Guys, we're going to get back into some NASCAR talk. Finally, it seems like it's been so long since we've talked to NASCAR. Steve Wilson, uh, editor-in-chief of uh, Speedway, uh, SpeedwayDigest.com. There we go. I'll get it. Uh, and our official NASCAR contributor. We're going to be breaking down exactly what we were just talking about with Tony. We're going to be talking about the truck race uh, today at Gateway, which is just outside of St. Louis. Uh, the Xfinity race today in Portland. Uh, so, and uh, then, of course, tomorrow, uh, the, the Cup Series is also at Gateway. So, we got a lot to talk about. Stick around. It's getting good. It's getting faster. And we'll you can take your calls, 917-889-8516. We'll be right back right here on the Balanced Radio Network.
National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. When you don't go to geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like... Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal art. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Oh, hi. Uh, hey. Seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? No, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted. So, I don't, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Masa Le Pique, which, of course, in the Indonesian language... Oh, let me finish. In the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they investor philanthropists? Do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes. But it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wanting. Do you have any? You know what? Actually, I'm, I'm just going to order it. They make it fresh and roasted. Okay. Right. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good. Tony and Donahue of Tony D uh, Podcast at BurnoutSports.com on his way up to Detroit, uh, helping us break down IndyCar in that exciting race we saw out of 16th in Georgetown yesterday. Yesterday, huh? I'm still I'm still there. 
last week, and of course, uh, what's going on this week in Detroit. And then at, at Adam Jevedin joined us. Sorry, I cannot talk today. Adam Jevedin joined us uh, first off the show talking about the NBA Finals and what's going on in some college football. But joining us now, a guy a blast from the past. Who we, <laughs> Welcome back to The Balance, Steve Wilson of uh, Speedway Digest and uh, uh, our official NASCAR contributor. Welcome back, sir. How are you? I'm doing all right. It's been a busy month for me. Man, it has. Seems like it's been a year since we've had you on. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I know you've been super, super busy. I appreciate all that, that you do for the sport of NASCAR, and I uh, love having having you on. But real quickly, uh, did you get a chance? I know you were so busy with Charlotte, but you had a lot of range. You had some downtime. Uh, did you get a chance to at least watch the last 30 laps of the Indianapolis 500? Oh, it rained all day there. So, yeah, I got to watch the whole thing. <laughs> um, hey, yeah, it was uh, – it was very exciting to to see the end there, and um, you know I have to give it you know um, to them that you know you know they could they could have uh, they could they could have just let that one lap roll on and 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 ended it under caution, but I mean right. you know the fans deserve to see it end kind of in the same fashion that NASCAR has gone to with the. Green flag lap, so um, you know, give it to them for for holding that off and throwing the red flag and um, getting it cleaned up and going back out there and, and giving everybody what they paid to come and see. Oh, absolutely, and you know the the, the thing about it is, I, I haven't. I mean, the attendance was incredible. I mean, I don't think I saw any empty seats really in in the entire place. It's just. Uh, amazing. I think they said somewhere around 375,000 people. That's not counting who was watching it on television. So what a show it was. What a great win it was for Joseph Newgarden uh, and to get that win. And, and, you know, on the other side of it, nobody wants to see uh, a a race, especially that of the caliber of the Indianapolis 500 to win uh, under a red flag type situation. And that was the first time we've ever seen three red flags at the Indianapolis 500 only been doing it since 2014, but nonetheless, um, I, I kind of still think even even if that if they didn't do, do it the way they was, that was a crazy wreck. You almost had to red flag it. So you know, I'm glad they did. And and you know, uh, Marcus Erickson, glad he got his first uh, Indianapolis 500 last year, but he also got it under kind of a red flag type situation. Does he want to be that guy known in history? Because you do go into or- immortality when you win the Indianapolis 500. Does he want to be that guy that wins two times in a row under a red flag type situation? He may not like the decision at the time, but I think he's going to he's going to come around. That's for sure. Well, let's get on, on the track here. No pun intended or pun intended, if you will. Let's start with the trucks. They're out at gateway. I like kind of how they split up everything. You got Xfinity in Portland today. You got the trucks in gateway today. What a great track. Glad they brought that back. Um, real quickly though, uh, how was uh, North Wilkesboro? I know you were out there for the all-stars and everything, but how was that track? How was it to be there and to be a part of that history? You know, after I, I don't I don't know how much most people know about my backstory, but you know we've you know I've been a part of the, uh, an 18 year stretch of working with the local people to try and bring that speedway back. And you know I had been at it since 2005 with the local people and some other uh, groups, say the speedway and others, to kind of bring that speedway back. You know, for for us, 
you know, and for the town people and the the county as a whole, you know, it was kind of surreal in a lot of ways and bittersweet in other ways and, you know, vindication for, for you know, years of work that and years of persistence that people have put into this to make sure that the Speedway was able to come back in the fashion that it did. Um, you know, I it, it's been a long, long journey to all of this and, you know, just to be there and see all the people that came out throughout the week and came to the light model races and then came to, to you know, we, you know, on Friday, one of the, you know, we, we had a lot of people come out on Friday just for, for the uh, practice and qualifying and um, the pit crew challenge. And I mean, the stands were packed and packed the stands again on a Saturday for the truck series race. And, mm-hmm. you know, all the people that came out on Sunday and, you know, if, if people haven't had a chance to go and watch this story, uh, Fox Sports One put together a uh, a, a two part series on, on the work that it that it took to get the Speedway back. So, if, if people haven't had the chance to go and watch it, I suggest everybody go and watch the two part series by Fox Sports, and um, you know, really see what it took to bring the Speedway back because it was a long a long journey to to get there. So. Sorry, that's kind of it, me co-opting, no, no, me I, I, kind of I co-opting it a little bit. I love it, and and you know that's a great story, and you know it's it, the whole thing around that. So I'm glad you had a chance to be a part of that, and you know really again, hats off to you for what you do this sport. Let's talk a little bit about the Truck Series out of Gateway. Corey Heim will miss uh, this weekend's NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series uh, race. Uh, the WWTR to shorten it up worldwide technology raceway. Uh, but, uh, they announced, uh, on social media that Heim is setting out, uh, this weekend due to an undisclosed illness. First of all, I hope he's okay. Second of all, what do we know about that? But it looks like Jesse Love will drive the number 11 to- Toyota in Heim's place with uh, Tony, uh, Brent Geiger, Brandon Geiger, uh, taking over or loves the number one Toyota. Uh, the team plans to work with NASCAR to seek a, a medical waiver to retain playoff eligibility for Heim in the number 11 team. Uh, they gave it to Chase. Let's give it to Heim, I guess. What's fair, fair is fair. But what, do you, what are your thoughts on this, Corey Heim? Obviously, that's big news in the truck series. Yeah, you know, uh, good thing that TRD and uh, Toyota over there have a pretty deep list of people, and they were able to shuffle some of this stuff around and 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 move, uh, you know, move uh, um, Jesse Love, who was scheduled to run the number one truck, over to the number eleven, and then bring in another TRD driver that has been uh, trying to make a couple spots out there. Tony Bardinger, uh is going to – Arca Series driver is going to come and take over that number one that Jesse Love was supposed to be in, as you've kind of uh, elaborated on already. But, um, you know, yeah, I mean, when you come back to all of this, and, you know, we've given it to Chase Elliott for his broken leg. We've given it to uh, Alex Bowman for, you know, him being out, uh, you know, for, for the issue when he had the wreck and had the back issues because of that. And, uh, you know, I, I, at this point, I mean, this is an un, unscheduled illness. This isn't something that he had necessarily gone out there and, and and did on his own, such as maybe you know the skiing accident with Elliot or the racing incident with uh, with uh, Alex Bowman. So, uh, yeah, you, you know, giving him the kind of that waiver, I think it's, it it should be it go ahead and grant that because at this point, you know, it, you're right, it's it's fair at this point because you know it wasn't something that he went out and did. But as far as what the illness is, no, uh, 
that none of that has been disclosed at this moment. So uh, I, I wouldn't even begin to speculate on all of that. But you know, we we've played musical chairs a little bit in the truck series. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tony Brightinger is going to take that number one truck and then roll off from the 18th position, and Jesse Love is going to start from the 20th position. So they'll be right there, next, you know, right behind one another uh, when this thing rolls off a little bit later today. Well, you know, you got to like Love. He'll be making his uh, truck series de- debut. He's only 18 years old, but he is a two-time Arca Menards uh, uh, series winner, uh, champion, if you will. Uh, so uh, he's also a star in the dirt racing. So I mean, he might be only 18 years old, but uh, he's uh, he's the uh, the real deal. So we'll, we'll, we wish the best for him. Well, uh, uh, yeah, and I mean, you know, and, and, and not and yeah, not only that, but I mean, he he's going to be up in Indiana the entire week. Um, you know, starting on Sunday, he's going to run the Indy, uh, the Indiana Midget Week. Um, Jesse Love is so I'm talking about him. Nice. Uh, he's going to run that with USAC all week. So, so anybody that's going to stick around in the area and want to watch some USAC racing and stuff like that, uh, he'll be up there racing all week. It just well, in USAC. Yeah, I love USAC races. Those are a lot of. A lot of fun. Let's talk about the truck race, though, that, that rolls off today uh, out at Gateway. I love seeing a lot more truck races. And I, just a few years ago, you would you would be hard-pressed to find a truck race on television, and now it's right there in the mix of everything else. They did a great job at building up the, the truck racing. Uh, and certainly, as part of NASCAR's developmental league, we see a lot of drivers in the Cup Series who came from the truck uh, world as well. So uh, let's talk a little bit about what we know as far as the Gateway track and uh, how are the, the teams getting ready for Gateway uh, this afternoon. You know, uh, when you the truck series, uh, the 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 journey also for for those guys has kind of been started with the truck series and. Just a couple of years ago, right before COVID, Curtis Franconis and everybody bought this track uh, away from Dover Motorsports and, and decided that they were going to do something with this speedway. And, and one of the first, one of the first uh, national series races that they got there was a truck series race. So the truck series has been racing there for a couple of years. They packed out the grandstands for those couple of events. And then NASCAR comes back and says, okay, you know, you've been doing a good job with that. So, you know, it, it, it really, for them, it started with the truck series. Um, you know, late, later on this later on this afternoon, I mean, it's going it, to, it, the truck series is, like, I can't even talk, my Lord. I, 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 <laughs> I have the same problem. I, <laughs> no, at late, later this afternoon, uh, you know, when this thing rolls off, uh, you know, this this is going to be just, uh, you know, two years in a row that they brought both the truck series and the cup series back to this um, racetrack. Uh, and, and for these guys, uh, it's going to be a little, it's, you know, it, it's going to be in the afternoon. And, you know, this truck series race that they've had in the past has always been at nighttime. And uh, aside from last year, um, you know, these, these have always been night races. So, you know, there's a lot of teams out there are, are, are still trying to figure some of this stuff out. You know, it's not exactly the, the most highest bank track. So, I mean, you've got to, you got to navigate that, that low banking in that track and then the concrete there. So, uh, you know, for them, uh, the warm slick racetrack will, will, will be a challenge for them. And, you know, typically we see some incidents happening because of this and, uh, you know, we, we've got, you know, uh, and 200 miles to figure this thing out later on this afternoon. Uh, you know, I just, you know, Gateway is, you know, being being so slick like it is and kind of like being so flat. You know, this is, you know, this kind of reminisces a lot of ways to 
the way that that Martinsville races in, in so many ways. And um, you know, this week is also going to be the psychology that started um, at um, Charlotte last week. So you know, we already have uh, one winner as far as that's concerned. And you know, hopefully, you know, going into this week, there's no Cup Series drivers, there's no Xfinity Series drivers. This is this is all going to be the Truck Series um, when they roll off this afternoon uh, as part of this Triple Truck Challenge. Well, it's great to see Ty Majeski uh, on the pole. He'll lead the Craftsman Trucks uh, uh, starting lineup to the green flag on, uh, today uh, at the WWTR. Man, what a what a way to say that! Uh, <laughs> certainly, uh, winning the winning the pole last night claimed his first. Uh, his, I'm sorry, his fourth career series pole in, in the first of the season uh, with a lap speed of 138.168. And, of course, you got Ben Rhodes and uh, Christian Eckes, sorry, uh, Carson Okiver and Stuart Fresson. I cannot read these names today. Uh, but the starting lineup, what are your thoughts? We're going over to Xfinity over in Portland today. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, you know, talking talking about these guys, Carson Hosevar has has been somebody we've been watching kind of in the truck series, kind of build himself up, and he's really started to come into his own in a lot of ways, and, and he seems to be the, the uh, a challenger, um, you know, uh, you know, you know, and and then last week, I mean, you you go back to last week where Ben Rhodes and you know Carson Hosevar battled this thing out towards the end of this race. Um, in in Charlotte, and and these are these you know Ben was trying to snap a a, a winning a winless streak that kind of went back over about a season and a quarter, season and a half or so, and um you know Carson Hosovar was right there all night long on him, so you know uh, you know I really like Carson at this moment. I think he's uh you know really the one that we're watching a lot. He he seems to be there every single week, but um you know Corey, you know uh, sorry um. Thank you, Corey Heim. Good Lord, we were just talking about him a second ago, and I know he's not in the, in the races. <laughs> no, but um, you know, uh, um, you know, uh, Zane Smith. I, I think he's got a good uh, possibility. You know, with with his truck this this week, and you know, I know he's a, he's trying to kind of build up a little bit from last week, and. You know, I think if you go back in the field, there, there's a couple opportunities for some of these drivers. But, you know, really, you know, going back to a lot of this needs motorsports right now seems to be the, the ones that we're talking about so much, and uh, especially Carson Hosovar. I, I think he – I mean, I think he's definitely – he's already – he's definitely a lock to get pretty deep into this uh, playoff thing the way that he's driving right now. So who's your pick to win today's Toyota 200 uh, Truck Series? Um, this afternoon, I, I'm, I know I've talked a little bit about Carson Hosbar, but I'm going to pick Zane Smith to go to Victor Lane this afternoon. Zane Smith, the DraftKings $5 bet. We'll see. 30 bucks, but it pays, <laughs> pays his job. Let's go over to, let's go over to the Xfinity uh, Series, obviously at uh, Portland International Raceway uh, today at, at 430. Uh, let's talk about some of the challenges that – uh, NASCAR Xfinity had on uh, as far as you know there was so much rain going on they really weren't able to get things ready and lined up because of what was going on in Charlotte were they able to get all their cars together put together and and shipped out to Portland uh, that uh, seems like it could have been a logistics nightmare what was going on there yeah you know the teams they all had uh, forty. 
five, 47 hours that they had to go, you know, after, you know, raising, you know, some of these drivers had, you know, been sticking around there for three days since Saturday trying to get this thing in. And, you know, then they didn't get it in on Sunday. And then, you know, they moved it, it got it finally started on Monday, but then had to stop it because of the Cup Series. And uh, the Cup Series ran a little bit longer than it normally did. And then finally when this thing ended sometime close to midnight, uh, Monday night, only early <laughs> Tuesday morning, you know, they had to pack these things up, get them back to the shop, the thing that they were in Charlotte, because, you know, they could go real close by, drop these things off and load them back up and head on back up the road. But, you know, still, you know, there were some drivers out there or some teams out there that had some issues. Uh, the last couple of days has kind of been, uh, you know, a little bit of a, a problem for uh, um, Tommy Joe Martin and uh, Alpha Prime Racing. Two of their trucks, both, well, actually both of their trucks that they sent out there, both of them broke down. So they sent another truck out there. That one broke down. So NASCAR worked with them over the last 24 hours or so to go out there and rescue their trucks, get them additional drivers and another truck out to them, swap everything over, and then they finally pulled in uh, about an hour or so after unloading time in the NASCAR Xfinity Series garage, but it had already been pushed back a couple hours because of the rain delay on Monday. Now, initially, they were supposed to unload and be parked at, I think it was like 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock in the morning, but they pushed it back to 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. So uh, it gave them drivers a couple extra hours to get out there, but still, you know, with, uh, you know, Tommy Joe Barton's Alpha Prime Racing, they – they they had troubles of their own. I think they blew a motor and or blew uh um no they the airbag system in in one of them uh blew and then I think he said there was something wrong with another truck and then the dually that they sent out there began it up. It was a mess for them too. So I you know it was a rush week to try and get everybody out there and then to have all those kinds of problems. At least NASCAR did work with them to go out there and, and get additional drivers and even NASCAR sent one of their own trucks out there to rescue some of their equipment and, and bring them into the track yesterday. Well, last year, and of course the weather's going to be a lot better this weekend. I think, man, that was a crazy weekend. I, 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 I don't, you know, I hate rain delays anyway, but that was a whole weekend and I feel bad for the fans. It was just crazy out there in Charlotte, but uh, the forecast this weekend uh, certainly seems like it's going to be better calls for uh, clearer skies, warmer temperatures. Uh, so it's a, it's a 1.967 mile road course. It's a road course. Last year, A.J. Allmendinger won the inaugural NASCAR Xfinity Series race at Portland. Um, but, uh, you know, that's going to change this year because the Dinger is uh, uh, full, racing full time in, in, in the Cup Series. So uh, he won't be around to defend his win. But Good news for uh, Matt Snyder, Austin Hill, Josh Berry, Justin Allgaier, all who finished uh, in in second and through fifth, respectively, in the series debut. Uh, and it's a very demanding 12 turn course. So, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, you know, and we talk a little bit about Josh Berry too, real quick. He's going to be out there. So, you know, when Chase Elliott got uh, suspended this week, and I will probably get into this conversation, you know, Josh Berry is yes. going to be out there in Portland. So, so uh, he's not going to have the opportunity to be able to get out there and get back to Worldwide Technology Raceway. So, uh, you know, the normal the normal kind of substitution role of, as far as that is concerned is, is kind of been put on hold because of the distance uh, of these tracks away from one another. So, uh, you know, I, I, he he's gonna he's just gonna be able to focus directly on 
you know, Portland this week. Yeah, going back to Zanalgar. Yeah, he uh, he won he won this thing last year. Anthony Alfredo sitting on the pole, which is going to be in this race with him that that. Um, this year, but uh, you know, my outsider think think about him. I mean, he's he, he's gonna he finished second last year, so I think he will. Uh, he's he's back in the field. Uh, look at him uh, to continue that on. But you know, uh, you know, thinking back on your fifth place that you um, kind of cycled off there. You know, Justin Algar has been winless this year, and he's really been winless for quite some time. And he kind of snapped that uh, again at going into Charlotte. So. Um, you know, good for him. Uh, you know, you know, I, I and I know there's a lot. You know, it is a very demanding race course, as you say. But um, you know, there's there's a lot of road course specialists out there. There's even a lot of these drivers that you think about. Josh Berry, who finished. You know, once again, talking about Josh Berry, he finished fourth last year. But this isn't a necessarily a guy that uh, grew up on road courses. This is a, this is a short track guy that kind of that that got an opportunity with junior motorsports to come run this car, but, uh, you know, was, was able to, to pull out a, a really good victory last year. I mean, a really good uh, top five finish in, in that car for them. So uh, look for him maybe to come back out there and do some good stuff. But, uh, you know, we got qualifying here uh, about two hours, two and a half hours from now. So, uh, you know, we'll see where some of these guys start stacking up about that point. Yeah, we don't know about qualifying yet, but if you was to pick a winner for your DraftKings $5 bet for the Xfinity race, what would it be? Oh, Lord have mercy. Uh, I don't even know. Uh, I, I don't think Justin Allgaier goes back-to-back in this thing, so... Oh... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Myatt Snyder. How about we go with Myatt Snyder? He finished second last year. You got it. The $5 bet for the Infinity race. There you go, $32. <laughs> go, to the DraftKings, go to the DraftKings app. Download it. It's a lot of fun. And look, if you're in a state that allows you to do it. Indiana was one of those states for the longest time that, that wouldn't allow you to do it. Well, you kind of you kind of tease what we were going to start off with with the uh, uh, Cup Series, obviously, in Gateway. Uh, Chase Elliott got himself in the bad boy list, and uh, NASCAR wasted no time uh, of saying, you done, you out. Uh, and, you know, and I'll have to admit, I'm old man, one of those that didn't stay up and see all of this happen. I just happened to see the highlights. But they believe that Elliott's controversial move during uh, Monday's Coca-Cola 600 at Charlotte Race Speedway uh, to be an act of uh, retaliation against Joe Gibbs racing Denny Hamlin. People uh, retaliating in NASCAR? Say it isn't true, Steve Wilson. <laughs> what are your thoughts about this and certainly about the suspension uh, that uh, uh, Elliott's like, well, that's that. And so I guess uh, they're not even I, – I, the last I heard, th- there was not going to be an appeal on it. But go ahead. What are your thoughts on Chase Elliott? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Henry referred is he isn't going to appeal this because there just wasn't enough time to get you know get it done. So um, they're just going to put Corey Lovejoy in the car, who is getting an opportunity this weekend from their partnership, Andrew Motorsports partnership with Spire. So he's going to get an opportunity to be in that car this weekend, the number nine. But – Going back to the incident that kind of occurred out there, um, you know, I know a lot of people want to go out there and say, okay, well, you know, this is, you know, this is very similar to, uh, you know, what Bob Wallace did, uh, uh, you know, 
not too long ago and got him suspended for it. Um, and I know Denny Hamlin went back and he pulled out SMG data and he said, okay, well, you know, look at this and look at that and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, one of the things that the, 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 the crucial difference in to what Bubba Wallace did and what um, Chase Elliott did is that, you know, there was a clear cut visualized, um, you know, incident on the track. I mean, yeah, Denny had to go and pull the, the SMT data to kind of show this is what happened. But in the Bubba Wallace incident, there was a clear-cut incident with uh, with Kyle Larson and didn't even got out of the car to try and fight him on the racetrack, which, you know, uh, that there again, Chase Elliott didn't do that. Now, I'm not saying what he did was right or wrong. You know, uh, uh, no retaliation mm-hmm. is something in this sport that, you know, has gone on for a long time. Um, you know, even when you go back to, um, you know, Joey Logano and Matt Kenseth that got him suspended for that, you know, there was a clear on track, you know, visualized, um, you know, instant. And I know some people wanted to say, well, Maybe it was Brad Keselowski that got into uh, Chase Elliott that turned him into Hendrick, I mean, into Denny Hamlin, which that that didn't happen. I mean, Brad Keselowski was close enough to the incident that it caused him to be a part of the incident, but it wasn't because of his fault. Now, you know, I, you know, Chase is going to have to sit this thing out. He's a, he's got already got a waiver to to move on and. You know, this kind of puts him a little bit in danger to almost to a point where he's now out of, you know, pointing himself in. He's not going to have to race himself in and probably win a race here in the next 10 or so races throughout the, the summer stretch and early, you know, before we get to Darlington. Um, but, you know, I, I you know, I, I understand NASCAR's position, too, at the same time. I understand Diddy Hamlet's position at the same time. I understand, you know, uh, Chase Elliott's position, you know, all of them have a position, and they all, you know, have, you know, kind of a valid kind of point as to what they did or why they did it. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, Chase is going to have to uh, suffer the consequences of being set out. You know, uh, he'll just come back next week, and you know, all things will be fine. You know, I don't, I don't see Denny Hamlin and Chase Elliott in last NASCAR forces him to sit down. But you know, I think it, you know, again, I think you know, there, there's subtle differences in a lot of ways between like a Matt Kenseth and a, and a Joey Logano or a, uh, you know, Bubba Wallace and a, and, a, and a Kyle Larson where, you know, there was clear cut, you know, visualized, you know, I visualized it in a lot of ways. And, you know, yeah, I mean, I had to watch the replay several times before you can kind of see what happened. You know, this wasn't, you know, just a clear cut. I turned the, turned the wheel as hard as I can to the left and I turned a guy into the wall and then I started, and then I turned back up and right side him into the wall. You know, it's, you know, that's just, you know, that that that's not kind of how it worked, you know, especially in the Matt Kenseth case where you could definitely see, you know, Matt Kenseth come into Joey Logano and then drive him into the wall in the fashion that he did or in the bubble walls where he clear cut at the in-car camera, turned the car wheel as hard as he could and, and got into Kyle Larson and then jumped up the car and tried to fight him. So, you know, it's a lot of visualization too, but I get that they, you know, there is a valid point from NASCAR too that they are trying to kind of tamp down on some of this, even though that they have, uh, you know, boys have added to some degree, which has kind of been scaled back in a lot of ways. So, um, you know, I think there's a lot of things that goes into this, but you know, Denny Hamlin has every right to be mad too, you know, at the same time. Well, Denny's uh, 
Denny's no angel. We'll just we'll just leave it at that. Denny's no angel. Denny has Denny has been on the other side of that before, and so sometimes the, you're right. NASCAR lets them kind of go a little bit, but then sometimes they're like, you know, this is just gone too much. We gotta we gotta send a message. My my, I know it's just one race, but and I know he got the waiver for the playoffs with Chase. Do you really think this is gonna hurt him in the playoffs? This suspension. Do you think it really think it's gonna hurt him? I think it hurts him in the fact that, you know, it drops him, you know, with him being out this week that, you know, he, he hasn't won this year, so he's not locked in. But, it you know, he was close enough and he was inside that bubble where, you know, if he stayed consistent, you know, throughout the summer that and get some more stage points, that he would have made himself in, you know, without winning that race. This kind of puts him almost on that borderline of the fact that, um, you know, he almost has to finish. I mean, he has to finish, like, first, second, you know, or second, third every week if he wants to point himself in or at least win one race to get himself in. I think it puts him right at that bubble where it's kind of, yeah, it, it does hurt him to some degree, and I think that's what NASCAR kind of looked at too is like, you know, yeah, we could have pointed, point fined him. We could have, uh, um, you know, monetarily fined him, you know, whatever the case may be, you know, but, you know, he he would have still been kind of in the same position he is right now by sitting out a week. So I think, you know, it was an either or, no matter what they did was going to put him, kind of damage him in a way that, you know, kind of send a message at the same time. So, yeah, I think really is kind of a little bit, like I said, you uh, right there on that borderline that, you know, he has the potential that he may not make it in. Um, just by being consistent anymore, that it's going to become almost a kind of must-win situation between now and the week before Darlington. We're talking to Steve Wilson, uh, editor-in-chief of SpeedwayDigest.com, our official NASCAR contributor, all things NASCAR. Check him out at SpeedwayDigest.com. The race this weekend is at Gateway, Madison, Illinois, which, uh, for those of you who don't know, is just right on the outside of the awesome city of St. Louis. Uh, go Cardinals. Had to put that plug in. Uh, but i got to give them all kinds of good ju- juju. They're my team. But uh, Ma- Madison is on the Illinois side of, of the river. So, uh, you know. It's not too far from East St. Louis either, too, so make sure you get off on the right exits there. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it, we got a big, some big storylines here. Last season's uh, race was the debut of the Cup Series at the, at the one-and-a-half, uh, one, one-quarter of a mile uh, facility. Yet another debut race uh, won by Cor- uh, Joey Logano. Uh, but there was a number of, of comers and goers, if you will, throughout the race and a plenty of on-track run-ins between the top contenders. Uh, so there's a lot of so- – things to look at ryan blaney's win in charlotte so there's a lot of stories to to look at so uh let's talk about the storylines obviously kevin harvick uh his last race and we're, we're following his retirement tour uh better follow kevin harvick's retirement tour than lamar james's retirement tour that's neither here here or there uh steve uh so uh Let's talk a little bit about Ryan Blaney in this track. It's just uh, a track that suits him uh, well. And, you know, what about Kevin Harvick as he says goodbye to uh, being a, a driver? Well, uh, you know, Ryan Blaney, another one, you know, he he snapped a winless, winless streak last week in Charlotte uh, by winning the Coca-Cola 600. And, you know, that's the first time, you know, that Penske has won both of those in the 
you know, the the same kind of weekend like that. You know, we were trying we were trying to go for Penske winning them both on the same day, but you know, it had to be postponed a little bit. Um, you know, but he 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 finished fourth in this event last year. Ryan Blaney did so. Uh, I, I you know I think you once again you, you're going to have a driver that. You know, he's coming off that high of winning. You had Joe Zagano winning this thing last year, so there's kind of a lot of pressure on those guys coming off a win, both in the Coke 600 and the Indy 500, also winning the inaugural event last year, and then Ryan Lane finished fourth. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So uh, uh, there is a lot of pairing win uh, this event. Now, when it comes to Kevin Harvick, you know, last year, um, man, I, I, don't, I don't even know where he – Finished at. I don't even know. <laughs> Talk about Kevin Harvick. Oh, I, I, I don't, don't know where you remember where. I don't know that. Don't have that information up here. Kyle Busch, <laughs> obviously, uh, that was an exciting finish for him last year. Uh, you know, it was Logano versus Kyle Busch, and you know, Kyle Busch. So what are we, we've been seeing some new positive, the new Kyle, as I like to refer to. What do you talk about, Kyle? Kyle Busch in tomorrow's race. Well, Kyle, and Kyle finished second last year. So, um, I mean, you know, now I know he's with a new team, but, I mean, you're right. I mean, you, we don't kind of see a lot of the, the arrogance out of him that we once did. He, you know, we he came into the media center last last week to, to talk about some things. He, he was, uh, you know, he was, he was much funnier than he was before. You know, he seems to be an air and a little more lightness about him than he has in the past. And, you know, it. Uh, you know, it, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it was a good thing that you know they they were not able to come to terms over there at um, at at um, uh, JGR for him and moving him over to RCR. I mean, he's already won. I mean, you look at you look at Kyle Busch and he's he's already won for RCR and you know he he did it in pretty quick did did it in pretty <laughs> quick fashion for them this year. So you know, and then and then he backs it up and wins again so you know you know it's for him and maybe maybe it is maybe it's a good thing that he kind of you know found a, a way to go back and uh uh you know reinvent himself in another team all right uh real quickly who is your pick for the uh worldwide technology track race <laughs> wwtr uh, uh, I don't. Uh, qualifying is going on right now. Good. Uh, Good. you know, yeah. er, er, Eric Jones. Eric Jones. I think I saw he's like seventh in, in qualifying right now. So, uh, he finished. Mm, I know he finished somewhere around top ten last year. So, I know this is probably going to be a stretch. And, and no, maybe I won't go with him. Uh. Let's go with Kyle Busch. How about Kyle Busch winning for the third time this season? Love it. Love it. We're going to put it down there. I can't place the, the $5 uh, uh, DraftKings bet yet because they haven't qualified. But I will do that right after they qualify. Joey Logano is leading right now. Kyle Larson. Let's talk a little bit about Kyle Larson. Uh, he's going to be racing in the Indianapolis 500 next year. And we know that that's obviously the same day as the Charlotte 600. But I have not heard – anything about him doing the double do you know if that's actually going to happen um the the assumption is is that he will do the double next year between the indy 500 wow. and the and the coca-cola 600 
Um, you know, just because NASCAR would, you know, and this is NASCAR would not give a waiver for him to go race somewhere else and then bail on the, the Coca-Cola 600. Um, so I know Tony Stewart has talked about this or talked about that length last weekend during the Coca-Cola 600 broadcast, both on, excuse me, Sunday and Monday. Um, they talked to him a little bit in Indy. They talked to him a little bit in, in Charlotte. So it sounds like, you know, who he races for next year which, or, you know, what car he will be in for the Indy 500 is still being um negotiated, but he will run the double next year. This is the first time it's happened, I think, in about 14 years or something like that. Robbie Gordon was the last one to do it, and the the best finishing of, of anybody comes from uh, um, Tony Stewart when he finished, like, third and sixth in the uh, Indy 500 and Coke 600, and I believe it was third and sixth, and maybe my memory is incorrect, but I know he got, like, third and one or fifth or sixth in the other or something like that. So um, it's going to be a tough feat. And, you know, it, it, you know, it's, you know, good on Kyle Larson to go out there and try and do this because he has become the modern day Tony Stewart in a lot of ways that we've seen him jump yeah, sprint cars. We've seen him jump in cup cars. We've seen, I mean, in North <laughs> Wilkesboro, he jumped in a truck because Alex Bowman was out because of his back injury and wins there in North Wilkesboro. So, I mean, you see, you see where you see Kyle Larson kind of jumps, jumps into everything and has become the modern-day Tony Stewart in a lot of ways. I agree, you know, but there's a reason that this doesn't happen very often in the double because it takes a lot. I mean, they literally got to get in a helicopter and get hooked up with an IV after they get out of the IndyCar race. Now, you know, that's provided that they run the whole race. There's, there's situations, that, as we did learn last week, that things can happen unplanned, so you might get an early start. And, and But, you know, what a story that would be to talk about, you know, it's probably not going to happen. But what a story that'd be to talk about. And just use Kyle Larson as an example to to win the Indy 500 and to win the Coca-Cola 600. That would be a hell of a story to talk about, wouldn't it? But uh, I, I, I don't think we need to get that, that far ahead of ourselves yet. <laughs> Steve <laughs> no, Wilson, no, not yet. Uh, of SpeedwayDigest.com, uh, our official NASCAR contributor. Good to have you back on with us, sir. What are you guys working on uh, this week? Where can people find your work and masterpieces, sir? Well, we've got a couple of people out of Gateway that will be covering the Truck Series and Cup Series for us this weekend, and so watch out for their work between Brett Winningham and Caleb. And then, you know, follow us at Speedway Digest on Twitter, Facebook.com, slash Speedway Digest, and SpeedwayDigest.com. All right, Steve, we appreciate you. You have yourself a good race weekend, and uh, we'll see what happens this weekend in, in, in St. Louis, or I mean Gateway, uh, or Madison, Illinois, and Portland, Oregon, sir. And I, let's go right. for great Take weather, care. right? I think we're going to get it. I think yeah. we're going to get some good weather. Yeah, yeah. All definitely. right, buddy. All right. Have a good one. Right, Talk to you later. We'll see you. Bye-bye. Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest, our official NASCAR contributor. Uh, good to have him back on and catching up uh, with us with NASCAR. My name is Tom Mark Westdale, Presidente. We'll be right back to wrap things up and put a bow on it right here on the Balance Radio Network. Yeah. One up.
opportunity. Seize everything you ever wanted. One moment. Did you capture it? Let it flip. Yo. His palms are sweaty, knees weak, arms are heavy. There's vomit on his sweater already. Mom's spaghetti, he's nervous. But on the surface, he looks calm and ready to drop palms. But he keeps on forgetting what he wrote down. The whole crowd goes so loud. He opens his mouth, but the words won't come out. He's joking how? Everybody's joking now. The clock's run out. Time's up. The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know, dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Oh, hi. Uh, Seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle Coffee here? (laughs) No, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted, so I don't, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Masa Lekwa Piquet, which of course in the Indonesian language, let me finish, in the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they investor philanthropists? Do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes, but it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wondering. Do you have any? You know what? Actually, I'm, I'm just going to order it. They make it fresh and roasted. Okay. Right. Black Rifle Coffee. 
It's good. Never get lonely. I got these goals to keep me company. I took the review off of this so forward, so I only see him in front of me. Now the past is out of sight and out of mind. Swore I changed, now I'm back chasing these white lines. I'm just a long head son And welcome back to the bell. It's time to wrap it up. Put a bow on it. <laughs> what a fun show it's been today. Thank you, Adam and Great friend of the shows. Our Swiss Army knife, if you will. Uh, super Browns fan, Super Cavs fan, Super Guardians fan, all around super dude. Uh, and just really helped us break down the NBA Finals. It's the Nuggets. It's the Heat. Uh, I think the, the common consensus that we came to on the show today is that the Nuggets will take it in five. I like that. I like the Nuggets. I, I think they, they've got a good opportunity to win. And Noika Jokia, uh, I believe I said that right, is just a freaking beast. Uh, so, you know, things we didn't get to, Zach Eady. Zach Eady going back to Purdue. Obviously, big seven-foot uh, giant, seven-foot-eight giant, whatever it is. He's a freaking giant. But, you know, uh, he's probably thought, or was advised that it'd probably be better for you to set out of the NBA draft and, and uh, uh, you know, go back to Purdue. But there is also that, hey, you know, you're still going to get another $350,000. Yeah. So that probably had a lot to do with the decision-making process as well. But, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I'm, I'm an IU guy. So I, I can't say that I'm extremely excited about Zach Keaty going back to Purdue. But it makes sense. So that's uh, something that we didn't uh, we didn't get to. Uh, we didn't get to baseball today. So uh, I promise you that's coming. Uh, we're slowing down on on the. We'll be slowing down on some of the extensive. Of course, with, with IndyCar running back to back, and then of course we have been uh, neglecting our other child, and that's NASCAR. And so we we had to give them some love. And so you know we went through the truck series and we went through the Xfinity series. A lot going on. Um, Certainly a big story with Chase Elliott getting suspended for some retaliation. Cannot believe that happens in NASCAR. <laughs> and, of course, we, we also talked about uh, the NBA Finals. My name is Tom Marcos, El Presidente. Here's the great thing about, you know, our show is our show is the podcast. And if you're listening to our podcast right now, just go ahead and hit that little like button, subscribe button. They've all got them, Apple Podcasts. Stitcher, wherever you're listening to us right now on your podcast, just go ahead and hit like on that so we know how awesome you are. We know how awesome we are, uh, but, you know. Thank you, Tony Donahue from BurnoutSports.com, our official IndyCar contributor. Called us on his road trip up to Detroit. Obviously, IndyCar is in Detroit this weekend in the city of Detroit. Good for them, giving that city an economic shot in the arm. Uh, Certainly, uh, they usually race in in Bill Isle, so I'd be curious to see how this this pans out, and it's right underneath the the main headquarters of Chevy. Uh, So there you go. Uh, But... um, Man, Pinsky can make some things happen, can't he? Uh, but, you know, hey, he gets another Indianapolis 500 win. win. He is a god when it comes to uh, uh, racing, not only in IndyCar, not only in NASCAR. 
but he's got his hands in Formula One. He's got his hands in all kinds of sport car racings, and you know, so he, he, you know, good for him. Good for him. Good for him. Uh, but uh, yeah, so they're going to be out at Detroit this weekend. The race tomorrow. Thank you, Steve Wilson, uh, editor in chief of SpeedwayDigest.com, our official NASCAR contributor, talking about Charlotte. And really, what a great backstory that was that he was able to provide for us uh, for for the Northwestboro race. That was really a, a good story to hear. Congratulations to Joseph Newgarden getting his first Indianapolis 500. Last week we talked about that and. So, uh, again, NASCAR in Truck and Gateway, which is uh, just west of St. Louis. Might as well say St. Louis, just east of St. Louis, so sorry. Just east of St. Louis, close to uh, East St. Louis. <laughs> Don't miss your exit. I'm just saying. Don't miss your exit. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's been a great show today. I have got this boogie on out of here. It's going to be a hot, warm day here in Indianapolis, going to be uh, uh, doing some grilling this weekend, going to make some broths, going to drink some beer, going to watch some baseball. You know, it's going to be a great weekend. You have yourself a great weekend. Don't drink and drive. It isn't cool. I'm out of here. Deuces. Hey, girl, what's your name? It's so loud in here, I can't hear a thing. And I can see you came to rock in your blue jeans and white tank top Man, that look drives me wild And it's, hey, now, here we go, DJ Don't play nothing slow Keep those girls out on the floor Gotta make them wanna come back from more